I'm your host, Jason, uh, along with Chris. Yo! And uh, we also have a very special guest on the line, uh, uh, former Blue and former NHLer, uh, Craig Jan is with us. Uh, thanks for being with us. Hello, today. guys. Oh, oh I'm so excited. You forgot the most important part, Jason, which is U.S. Hockey Hall of Famer, Craig Jan. Yeah, it's true. I, I'm, it's, it's a, there's a very long resume here, so it's like I'm, I'm trying to like make sure I try the high points and I miss one high points. So my apologies there. So uh, we're going to go through uh, a lot of things today with you, Craig. We're going to try to a couple of questions about your career, time with the Blues, uh, and also maybe your perspective if we talk about uh, your time in Phoenix. Because since you were uh, one of the, in there during some of the inaugural years. So I kind of want to see your perspective on hockey in that area. And then also your thoughts on the Stanley Cup uh, finals last year. You bet, guys. Sounds like good stuff. Okay. So, so for some of the younger listeners who may not be familiar, let's let's run down the resume to start. Uh, the first one that I – the first question I had was, so you were you were, you were born in Hartford – were you a Whalers fan or were you a Bruins fan growing up? An all and all and out Whalers fan. And to this I, day, like my daughter, my daughter last year said to me, "Dad, how come you never? You always wear sports hats, Red Sox hats, Patriots hats. You never wear Bruins hats." And I go, "Honey, I didn't root for the Bruins." And you know, yeah. you know, my team was the Hartford Whalers, and for Christmas she bought me a whale hat, so she knows they're my team too. I love that the Hurricanes have brought back the uh, the green whale jerseys and wear them a handful of years. As soon as they went on sale, I bought one. Full disclosure, I have a jersey for every team in the league because I live in hockey jerseys. <laughs> but the moment I could buy a uh, a Hartford jersey, I got it. And now my big my big dilemma is who do I put on the back of it? Like I'm torn between maybe Gordy Howe, maybe Chris Pronger. Um, but if you were going to put if you were going to put your guy on the back of a whale, oh god, easy, it's easy. Wanna, I want you guys to answer a trivia question for me. Okay. I'm making this up as I go along. Who has a 15 year old had his idol and got to play against them in a summer league game? With actually oh, Brian man. Leach was on that team. We beat the Whalers team. In the summer league, really, we had a wagon ourselves. But that's awesome. Fifteen, he was there, and I was—he was my idol, and he played longer than me career-wise. That's insane. And he's still my idol. If I saw him today, I, I'd be all over. And, and now he runs a team. That's insane. That's, that's crazy. crazy. That's the answer. Look, Who did, you got? You got to get an answer for me. Ron Francis. Ron Francis. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Got me with the, who's running a team. I was, I was, I was. Yeah, not, I think that's what gave it away. Yeah, but Ron Francis, you know, that's awesome. It's funny that that name came up because I have a, a very good friend of mine who was actually on the show a few weeks ago who's from Pittsburgh, huge Penguins fan, 
and we were talking about the fact that you were going to be on the show today, and I mentioned that you were from Hartford. He's like, oh, man, you got to you got to ask him about the Ron Francis trade. And I was like, I don't want to upset the guy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, at that time when they made the trade, I was playing already. Yeah. So, as far as I'm concerned, it was a great trade because we, we yeah, were playing against Ronnie's teams. Yeah, we got him in a different division, face him later type thing, and uh, which yeah. we did unfortunately <laughs> a couple times in the semis. So, but uh, they they so, had a great great team, fun team. So as, as a as a kid who grew up in the the Northeast, you played at Boston College with a Hobie Baker finalist in '87, and you started your career in Boston, taking the, or part of the team that went to the finals in '88 and '90. When you got traded to the Blues in 92, going from a kid who was in the Northeast, spent your early years in college years in Boston, early pro years in Boston, when you find out you're going to St. Louis, is it a bit of, am I going to be living in farmhouses and hay bales? Because I, I, I always feel like <laughs> the Midwest, aside from like Chicago and maybe Denver, get yeah. a rap of, like, it's flyover country. What were your thoughts on well, St. Louis before you got here and then once you were here? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, you know, we had played there a few times. I'd probably played, what, three, four years by then? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had known the city and always had a good time, you know? So I was open open to it. And, you know, basically, Chris and Jason, you, you have no say. I mean, you're on a plane. Right. I, I was on a plane – the day I heard I had a trade, I was on the plane that afternoon, crying like a baby. Because wow. your first trade is always the tearjerker. Did no you have a feeling it was coming? No one wants it. No, not at all. It hit me like a sledgehammer. I was, I was. A, do you know? Have you been to the garden over there? You I know have. the famous restaurant Fours. I haven't. No. Yes. Yes. Well, there's a famous restaurant across the street called Fours, where everyone hangs out. Real sports bar, all Boston sports. Terrific stuff. And uh, I was over there crying, and my girlfriend was coming to pick me up, and I got my oh. bag of equipment and my sticks and just heartbroken. And that's just the way was it is. It, I mean, it hardens you up pretty quick when you get traded. And after the first it, one, you know it's a business. Was it easier And I thought you? St. Louis was fantastic. I was more was afraid it? of, the, the you know, Oates Hall thing and all that. Than sure. I didn't have sure, time sure. to think about where I was going to eat dinner. And I was and I was going to ask about that. Is was it easier for you to make the transition coming over with a teammate like Stefan Kuntal? And what was it like walking into a building knowing that you know you've always been a playmaker, but you got traded for the guy who was you know Brett Hall's playmaker? Was was there a bit exactly. of like, oh, it, shit? It it really did help coming with Steph because we were the same year draft picks. Too, and we came up to the Bruins at the same time, so we knew each other. But uh, you know, it was not easy going to St. Louis, to be honest, in hindsight, because yeah. you know you're expected to, you know, holy, I mean, holy and oats. I mean, sure, uh, that was a tough act to follow, and mm-hmm. uh, and then it turns out, as you guys know, which I'm sure those questions are coming next. And they're fine, guys. Don't lay off those questions. Uh, it was hard hard because I didn't play with Brett really much. Right. Except on the power play, which we were, you know, we had an unbelievable power play. I put our power play 
up against anyone in the world. I don't care. Agreed. I totally agree. You know, Nelson Emerson, Jeff Brown, Brendan Shannon, Brett Hall, and me. I mean, we had a great power play. But not playing with I, some five on five, I think agitated him. You know, and uh, you know, you, I certainly didn't have a say in it. And uh, right. And and then it turns out Shanny and I just really connected, you know. And uh, and it worked out that way. We were hoping to have two scoring lines, but we never really did pick up a quality, another quality center, like offensive. That kind of you helped us back. And I agree with you on that. And I, I always thought that, like, obviously the chemistry that you and, and Brendan had on the ice was apparent because you guys clicked really well as a duo. And you kind of made a mention to it. Do you think there was a, not animosity but a, almost like a little bit of jealousy from Hall of, like, well, where's my guy? I don't know if it was jealousy because he – let's be honest. He scored 70 that year. With Ron yeah. Wilson as a center. So that, yeah, that's the guy true. who can score goals. And no right. offense to Willie, because Willie was a hell of a player, but he's a PK guy. Yeah, and, he uh, Yeah. And he, and he did it. He got 70 still. It's pretty amazing stuff. I mean, that shows what a goal scorer he was. He's the best goal scorer I've ever seen. Bar none. That was, was going to be one of my Bar questions none. was – I, I in going down the in going down the stats and looking at the ninety three season where you led the team with hundred and six points, that's five more than Brett. Um was was Brett the most natural goal scorer that you ever played on a team with? He's the best I've ever seen. Bar none. I, a, a, to me, a goal scorer is someone who was in tight, can have a quick release and go over the shoulder. That's Brett Hall. Yeah. A lot of other guys got to score down low. And, and in this day and age, there are, Holly would still get his 50, 60 goals. I guarantee I agree. he would. Because he mm-hmm. can go up top. I always go say ahead. that, like, with, with Brett, you knew when he was in the slot he was going to score. And I oh. look at players now like Ovechkin, and I always say that the sign of greatness is you know where that player is going to go but you still can't stop him from doing it and scoring. And and Brett yeah. was that way in the slot. And it just seemed like if oh, he, he was got, so smart. Yeah. He, just, he, he, he was the smartest guy I've ever seen. He'd float in. He, he never stopped moving, and he'd time it where he would be open when you could pass while moving. He, he was a genius. Uh, those guys are geniuses. All those top guys are just amazing what they could uh, – do you should have saw Brett and Pratt. I don't know if you ever saw his practice back in the day mm-hmm. when you were kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Brett Hall was by far the most was the best practice player I ever saw. Highly wow. skilled, passed the puck as good as OC and I when he wanted to, but that wasn't his job. In practice, he sure. would pass the puck, and he'd throw sides right. left and right. He was that good and and that confident. And uh, you know, he's one of the Top five guys I've ever seen. It's funny yeah. that right. you mentioned his hands being as soft as they are, because you know that's that's high praise coming from a guy who was who was voted the softest hands in hockey by the alumni association. <laughs> that was a nice honor. Believe me, I've been living off of that when I go to alumni stuff. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of speaking of, before I forget about this, speaking of alumni stuff, so. 
the Blues have had a Winter Classic and a All-Star Love Night game. And number 15 has been noticeably absent from both of those. Who do I need to call to get you to Minneapolis for New Year's uh-huh. Eve? To be in the winter, to be in the winter classic alumni. Hey, I was, I, I was talking to my daughter about, uh, uh, what, what a, what do you do on a podcast? I didn't know what the, the, the I will, rules, I will the rules are, but I, I've never, I've never been called. And I think there's a lot no, of no rules. To do with, let's be honest about what happened, transpired off the ice in St. Louis. Yeah, but I don't think I was I mean, that's so long ago. I I was around I was around their offices that when I came in for the final, uh the yeah. second game, Chris, when I came over and said hi to you. Right. Oh no, I was with my daughter that game. But we, we they brought us back for game six in case they I actually did get an invite. And nice. uh which shocked me, you know. And we went down to the offices to see you know, we to check on on people. I want to say hi to some of the people who still work there that mm-hmm. I remembered. And uh, you know, there wasn't one picture of Shani or me in the whole building. So you know what? That says I've, you know, I've noticed that, and I've always wondered if that was by design or not. Because um, you guys, oh, both you would think such a huge role in that team. I agree. I, uh, he was especially shitty, let's be honest. He was well, a huge star I, there. Well, let's not discount the No, I know, I know, but are. not to have our <laughs> – I just don't understand the whole, you know, Shani and I got over it. Why can't fucking everyone else get over Oh, excuse my language. Oh, you're fine. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> why can't – The good thing about – Oh, all right. Why can't – Say whatever we want. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. I was wondering what the formalities were. Oh, all right. But, what uh, do you want to say? Say it. But I was just shocked that there was not one picture up of Shani, to be honest. I wasn't thinking of myself. But uh, I was – I was, uh, and that's that's the reason I think I don't get too many phone calls from St. Louis. You know, that's interesting. I, I, I the ownership is point. very different. Yeah, the ownership is very different. Yeah, I mean, than... from then till now, there's been <laughs> a lot of change. And I'm telling you, man, I, I, I am desperate – to see you in a blue note one more time. We got to make it happen for the for the Winter Classic this year. Well, we'll see. I'm, I, I was uh, I was really thrilled that they invited me to the Game Six, and uh, I, I would love to visit. It, it's so much fun to see the fans, see the guys. You know, we all we all miss it. You know that everyone says it. Of course, and it's true. We wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. So. Of your time in St. Louis, I think there's one goal that really, at least as a fan, stands out quite a bit. A couple months back, we did uh, a recap of the top overtime playoff goals in Blues history. And to me, you have one that is in the top five. And I would say it's not the top moment. It's not the top. Because it is a – That was a good night. it It is your goal. And Pat Maroon's goal last year in Game 7 against Dallas, because they were both oh, that was a series clinching goals, that to me are 1A and 1B. And that's obviously... Oh, that's nice of you guys to say. Obviously, we're talking about the goal against Chicago in 93. When that happened... Just to see Belfort smash his stick. Oh, my God. So, I was... 
I was in – that was the best game I've ever been to in person. And the crazy part was – Was that a great game or what? Yeah, that was – A, that entire that series, but that game, coming off of two oh, shutouts by Cujo, and you guys, like, you could just feel that you guys were going to win that game, no matter what happened. Um, so – Talk us through that whole series. Did you see Belfour and Holly collide behind the net? Or did you just look at me like, holy holy shit, the puck's on my stick. I got to fire it at the net. I saw no one. I didn't see anyone in the net. And I so I just yeah. ripped it right when I – well, ripped it. I wouldn't say ripped it. Sucker didn't hit the back of the net. You know, <laughs> but uh, – that's what I always tell everyone. I lead, I lead the league in goals that never hit the net, and uh, that was another one of them. Do you but, have that? Uh, it was a great play by Holly. Now, now he wouldn't get away with anything. No, it's true. That, that would have been blown dead. Do you? Uh, blown dead. Do you have sure. the puck from that game? <laughs> Guys, I'll, I'm going to break something to you. I don't you have don't one have puck in my career. Oh, you kidding me? Nothing. Oh man. <laughs> I really don't. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> oh, no, I'll, um, I'll piggyback off of what uh, Chris has been saying. Uh, so being for, I'll just date myself here. So when that happened, I was a 10-year-old Jason just getting into hockey, oh. watching hockey. And um, that's, along with kind of what happened last year, that's one of oh, those where I, I, couldn't I, can imagine you, you I can tell you exactly where I was at, exactly what I was <laughs> doing. And the reaction I had, because I'll be honest, and this is me just saying it because you're obviously you're on the phone or whatever, but that was like the moment where I'm like, that's what I want to, like, I want to play hockey now. And like, just being yeah. that excited, being around people that are excited. And you, uh, you know, but Paul, obviously, they call it, you know, obviously, now the Enterprise Center, the uh, uh, place at Hallville. But like, that, those teams are like what got people excited again, because after the Blues were obviously in the finals for a first, uh, few years of their existence, yep. they kind of had a year where we're in the playoffs, but just, you know, kept, like, stalling out or just ownership issues caused them not to, like, have a feel of, like, fantastic team or just barely have a team yep. at times. But uh, exactly. just kind of saying what, what Chris was saying, just that's definitely for people in our age. That's the goal that you maybe until last year, that's the goal you look to is, like, you go back and look up YouTube highlights. And that's like a goal you get, and you still get that same excitement, like feeling it, like you know, excited feeling that you, when you see it happen, no matter you know it's coming, and you see Bell Force match stick, and then that just feels like, oh man, I hate Chicago now. And it's such <laughs> an iconic moment in that rivalry. Yeah, like, it, mm-hmm. that it really was. That, I think it made it a rivalry. You know, mm-hmm. I I think that it, it reestablished it because for so yeah, long one team was up and one team was down. And even, you know, yeah. you look at, at at where you guys finished that year, you were only one game above 500 at the end of the year. You, you know, yeah, you were know. fourth in the Norris. I saw and I think that everyone picked Chicago just to roll over the Blues. And, you know, it, it, it's – I've always said that there's certain rivalries in sports, and the Blues and Blackhawks are one of those, where it doesn't matter Absolutely. what the records are because those teams just pure straight don't like each other. And they're going to get after it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if, if you're the bottom team or the top team, you're going to get that team's best game every night. 
I agree. I think it, it's a, it's a thing that's just bred into the players who come there that this is a team you hate. This is who we got to be every night. It you know? truly is. So, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. The, the last thing that I would ask about your time in St. Louis was you got the, we'll say, privilege to play a little bit under one of the most villainous people in St. Louis Blues history, and that would be Mike Keenan. Yeah. Um, he ruined the team, your, man. I don't know if you were following that team at all. No. We, I, we, we had a team that could have went. We had a team that had a chance to win the cup. He left it alone. I remember who was on that team. Duchesne. Yep. Duchesne, McGinnis, Housley. Yep. I think I think we were all they. That was our D, your main D guys. We had some defensive stalwarts too. Zombo was still there, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Murray Barron. Uh, yeah, Murray Barron uh, was Brett Hedekin, I think he might have been coming up at the time. Brett Hedekin, Brownie. Yeah. No, they were gone. No, those guys were gone because they went to Van a little earlier. Okay. But they had a good team. And we had <laughs> Holly Shanny, Tekinen. I mean, we had a we had a lot of guys, man. And uh, yeah, you really did. You're right, Chris. He tortured us. Tortured us. Me, me. He 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 won on me. I'll admit it. Right here on the, well, and, the that's, and that's what he I was going to me. ask you. Is it, it always seemed from an outsider standpoint, and you hear stories through the years, that he was one of those guys that would play favorites. And if you ended up on his oh. shit list, for, for whatever reason he decided that he would make your life a living hell. Oh, it's, it, it was, no doubt, man. I mean, he, he chased he, me out uh, of there. I mean, that's when the personal problems were happening too, but. He literally, at the end of torturing me for two and a half weeks, I'm, I'll say this, I've never said it before. We were in Winnipeg, and uh, I'm yeah. getting bag-skated again, not playing again. And uh, Teddy Sater was the assistant coach. Remember Ted? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah wonderful yeah. guy. Wonderful guy. Had some head coaching jobs, but was more an assistant coach because he's so nice. And he he's was bag-skating me, and I go, well, you know what, Teddy? I've had enough. I'm getting off, and I'm I'm taking off. And he goes, "Good luck, good luck to you." He said, "CJ," because I, I went back to my hotel and took off, and just good and he, for you. To Mike, Mike comes up to me though. Prior to getting on my cab, like I'm not going on the bus. I'm waiting on for my cab, and he goes, "I want you to play for me again." And I go, "What?" He goes, "I want you to play for me again." I go. I go, I don't, I like, I have too many friends on that bus where I don't want to disturb what's going on here anymore. You do not want me playing for you, obviously. So just trade me. And uh, I'm going to take off and you trade me. Let me know when my trade comes up. And to his credit, he goes, okay. And he goes, the whole time I was gone, I don't know how long I was gone, maybe a month before they traded me to San Jose, maybe three weeks. He paid me the whole time. Well, that's good. He knew. He, I know, but he knew. He was like, Jesus. I, I, I'm hoping he's like, I tortured this guy to death. Last thing I can do is not dock his pay. But it was an awful yeah. experience. He did it to Cujo. Did it to Shanny. Did it yep. to Phil Housley. I mean, there's a long list. of. I mean, those guys are Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. That he, he did it to. just did. So, terrible guy. He just did a podcast about a month ago, 
with another blues podcast. And if memory serves, it's the first interview he's done in St. Louis since he was fired. And it's amazing how much he passes the buck and plays the victim on, well, this, I, I didn't do any of that stuff. It wasn't my control. Like, they really drilled down on him on the Gretzky fiasco. And he makes it sound like it was completely out of his control on if he was going to be able to bring yeah. Gretzky back or not. Well, what's the great saying? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, and that, well, he I had think, every power in the book there. Do you think that that was the ultimate problem, was that he was coach and GM? There was no one to, to check Oh, absolutely. Power. If he had someone overrunning him a little bit, it wouldn't have been as bad. And, and they knew that, too, right when it started. I mean, there were some people in the, sure. in the offices who were as disgusted as we were, you know. Got it. Um, Is there uh, – okay, I was going to say one more question about uh, the Mike uh, Keenan era, I guess, when you had to play with him. And obviously we talked about a little bit of his uh, reputation with uh, players and then such. When you knew he was uh, coming in, did you already know, like, some players around the league, did they kind of like, you know, like, hey, this is what you're getting into, or do you hear, do you have this? Brian, Leach, of... call, Brian Leach called me the day it happened and said, good luck. You don't stand a Ooh. chance. Really? I go, what, they... what do you mean? He goes, you are not the type of player he likes. Really? You, you're going to have a hard time. And I go, oh, jeez. Yeah. And you're talking about Brian, and Brian Leach, also another Hall of Famer. Yeah, Hall of Famer, who he, he, he tortured during their Stanley Cup season. Yeah, because yeah. he came right after they won the Stanley Cup and came to the Blues after uh, yep. William Every time the for a good years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so, yeah, I was just kind of you, curious. Go ahead, Chris. You mm-hmm. were lucky enough, after San Jose, you go to Winnipeg, who become the Phoenix Coyotes. And it seems like from the inception of this team, the argument has always been, can hockey work in the desert? Um, what was your time like playing in those inaugural teams? And what's your, what's your opinion now on if that team can last where they're at? Or do you think that they're inevitably doomed to be relocated back to, let's say, um, Quebec, Quebec or somewhere else? Well, my experience there, I'll give you two two different experiences. Because I spent, I lived in Arizona for 20 years before I moved to outside Chicago now. And uh, as a player, we went in there from Winnipeg. It was incredible. We li- we right. played downtown, though. Yeah, you we played in America West Arena. It was the best night. Yeah, we, li- we lived where, uh, we worked where the, uh, Basketball team played, yep. and we had to sell out every night. But we had one end that was terrible. There was bad seating. You had the overhang, but it was loud. It was raucous. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was loud, raucous. People, we were they, they were into it. I thought it, those right. two years there were some of the best years I've seen. I mean, we had great teams that underperformed though, and sure. uh, talent wise. Which was a, which was a shame. They kind of built the team wrong, I thought. But uh, I would have done it different, actually, if, if it was me. But they sometimes you can have too much skill, and there's not enough pucks to go around. And in Phoenix, well, that happened to us. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. And and then uh, as a 
being around the Coyotes later when they moved out to Glendale, which is probably 30 minutes outside. It's a drive, especially they left their fan base in the money. And you guys know in hockey, never leave the money. Never. The fans who have the money don't want to – the fans who have the money in Phoenix would have to travel 45 minutes to games. And you're not going to get season ticket holders to travel 45 minutes two, three times a week when they're in town. And they're right. just, they don't have the season ticket out in Glendale because they're, you know, however you want to look at it, there's just not enough money. Those things are expensive. And sure. uh, so that's where it's failed there. I mean, they're trying, but they just can't draw. And they've been trying to I, move uh... a stadium into the city or close to the money. And that's the answer. But, to do it is going to be tough. I was at the arena down there two, three years ago. Uh, I have family out in uh, the Phoenix area, and I wanted to go down to get one of the uh, – I, I had an old Coyotes jersey, and I wanted to get it stitched up. And uh, I took it in, and I, my first thought was, like, I feel like I'm driving forever to get out to Glendale. And then you just see this giant it, UFO it, it in the is. desert, which is the football stadium. And then tucked in yeah. behind it is Gila River. And um, yeah. I walked in. And I will say, it's the nicest experience I've ever had in the team shop. Because I walked in with my old Coyote jersey. And I was like, hi, do you guys do the lettering for the old jerseys? And I pulled it I pulled it out. And I'm like, oh, well, we don't have that one in stock. And the guy goes, but if you want to give it to us, we can have the, the seamstress for the team actually sew the letters and numbers on. And I was like, you're going to have the lady who does the players' jerseys do by jersey? And they're like, yeah, sure. We'll mail it. And I'm like, well, I was like, I'm not local. I'm from St. Louis. They're like, we'll mail it back to you. And I looked at them and I was like, okay, I trust you. I'll give this to you. And sure enough, like three weeks later, here comes my jersey back to me in St. Louis, numbered and lettered up. That's great. right. That's great. Nice people. Um, they they love like it. That, they try and, but. They are. But you, I, I think you're right. Like geographically. There's nothing there. There's desert, one hotel, yeah. a couple of bars, yeah, exactly. the football stadium, and the hockey arena. See, football works because you can have – it's eight home dates, or yeah. maybe nine, whatever it is now. It's not a lot. And, you know, it's a Sunday, so there's no traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, so football works out there, but hockey, three games a week just don't work. Do you think with the team that Arizona has currently, that if they can keep this together, that there's a chance that that team can get financially sound again? Or do you think that they're just doomed with the decisions they've made that they're never going to get above water with being in Glendale? Because it just seems like Glendale. I think as long as they're in, as long as they're in Glendale, they got no chance. But if they uh, if they somehow can. Get it downtown. The problem has been, well, I don't know now. I've been away for a year and a half, but the owner of the basketball team wants a new facility as well. Right. But he he's a real jerk. He's angering anyone. He won't partner up with the Coyotes. I mean, he wants everything his own way and blah, blah, blah. So he's a real, like, you know, he's a guy whose daddy made all his money, you know, one of those guys. Right. Of course. He wants things his own way. But, uh, you know, not, if they don't get a new facility, I think they're headed up north. I agree with you guys. 
Which to be honest, and I and I would hate to see any team leave because I know that there's fans in every city. But if they did have to leave, I really wouldn't mind them going and becoming the new Nordiques because I feel like Quebec really was a victim of them just being a small town. Yeah, I I think you're right, uh, no doubt about it. And and the, the, their facility at the time was horrendous. I played in that a lot of years. Not a lot yeah. of years, probably. Oh, I years, bet you did. Yeah, yeah. And the facility was just sub – it wasn't good enough for a major league team, to be honest. But right. they had the best hot dogs in the league, the O'Shea Joes. <laughs> <laughs> That's important. That's very important. Oh. <laughs> Reggie Levelin will tell you that. The backup goalie <laughs> used to sit across the way and – we usually wipe them out, you know, because right. they were always down back in those days. But they were sure. starting to come up, you know. And yeah. uh, Moger, we got blistered, and they had to call Reggie in from the, across the ice. He comes out in the black Bruins uniform. He's got a mustard on both sides of the B. That's and he awesome. has to play the rest of the game with mustard sticks. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's awesome. Oh, it's hilarious. Well, That's another thing I was going to – I was going to bring. I need to bring up one but, more thing. But that's a cool place. There. If you guys, if they ever do go back there, you guys do a trip. Montreal, Quebec City, the best. I would love to do oh, yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. They can't, uh, can't, we've always talked about doing a Western Canada kind of swing with the team when they do their Western Canada swing, kind of hit, and all four of the Canadian teams when the Blues usually go through that uh, you swing. Do that. That's a great day. trip too. You'd love that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to do uh, that. Yeah, that's one thing I was going to ask uh, ask you about, Craig, is um, getting traveling all, you know, privacy. Most of the teams, obviously, are out there now, obviously, except for obviously teams like Vegas and whatnot. But did you have, like, a favorite arena to play in if it was either in St. Louis in, like, the arena or put it, like, in the garden? Is there a, is there a oh, place that gosh. sticks out that every time you went and you're just, like, you had a big night? I usually there? have it. You know what it was? Vancouver is one of my cities. I, I always had big nights in Van. And it's the prettiest. That's another trip for you guys. If you catch a sunny day in Van, it's the prettiest place in the world. I think it's the prettiest city in North America, for sure. Really? I'm excited. I, I'm hoping I would like to do that trip maybe in a couple of years once Seattle gets off the ground and do, like, Seattle, oh, Vancouver, nice. and the Western Canada trip. Perfect. So... The last That's thing true. I wanted to ask you, the last thing I wanted to ask your opinion about was obviously you were lucky enough to catch a couple of last year's Stanley Cup final games. As someone who spent time in St. Louis, spent time with the organization, and, and understand and understood how badly that entire organization and fan base wanted the Stanley Cup, and how many phenomenal teams took runs at it and couldn't get it done. Um, what was it like for you now as an outsider looking in at a team that was dead last on January 3rd to watch that run they went on and and for that to be the team that ultimately brought a cup home to St. Louis? Um, as a guy who played the game, who was part of the St. Louis organization, what was it like for you to watch that? And how do you – how did it make you feel to finally see someone in a blue note lifting the cup over their head? Well, I thought uh, the team just uh, was playing playoff games since 
mid 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 year. Yeah. Uh, I think I think for them the reason they won it, they were in playoff mode for so long, and had a coach who understood that I think, and and right. wrote it, and uh, and the guys bought in. I mean they bought in all the way, all twenty two three guys, and uh, everyone was pulling, you know. And that and then there's good goaltending. You get a kid like that. I mean he seems like a freak. I mean he's so calm. He really does. For someone so young, you know what I mean. It's it's it's. Yeah, I think that's the reason. That's the chemistry. I agree. You know, to Ben, and you talking about Bennington, you look at the resume of goalies that have played in St. Louis, and obviously your tenure here in St. Louis was Curtis Joseph. That guy is an animal. You know, he he was money every year, but it just seemed like every year you guys would run up against someone who was a buzzsaw. And it, it kind of reminds me of the, the early 2000 Blues teams where they'd get into the playoffs and then hit Chicago, who was on their way to a Stanley Cup, or L.A., who was on their way to a Stanley Cup. And we'd always end up losing yeah. to that team that went all the way. That's why it's so it's the hardest trophy to win. That's why. I mean, it is it is the hardest trophy to win, bar none. And well, uh, that's why we all want to win it. Why we all want to win it, and why I, if, uh, I, if it pulled up in my driveway today, I wouldn't touch it. I respect that. I respect that. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. I would blame you. Kind of a lot of players of and former uh, players have said like they, if they having a chance with the cup. Still not going to touch it because that's just that kind of respect everybody has for Absolutely. the Absolutely. We didn't earn it. We didn't earn it. Right. They did. We didn't. Yeah. You know, as that's, a player. I'm just talking as a player. That's our mentality. I, and I understand that. I totally understand that. And I, I 100% respect that. I think that there's, there's certain things about hockey players that I think are very noble. That being one of them, that you don't touch the cup until you win it. I think that handshakes after play, after the playoff series is something that all sports, to be honest, would be well-served doing. Um, and you guys are just tough as nails. You know, you, you look at baseball players who have a hangnail and they're out two to three weeks on the DL, and, you know, hockey players can get bent in half over boards and come back 30 minutes later and uh, and score a game-winning goal. You know what I mean? It's just it's, it's remarkable. Exactly what you guys put yourself through on a day-to-day basis and just keep pushing forward. Everyone wants that cup just like you guys. Root for it so hard. We do too, you know. And and you got it. So enjoy it. I have – You might have have it for another year. I know. We're going to have have it a little longer. Celebrate another year. I think we may have it a little longer. Yeah, yeah. You get to hold on to it a little longer. It looks like. Yeah. What, so, what, what um, is your thought on that? Do you think that? Uh, do you think we're going to have any sort of a Stanley Cup playoff this year, or do you think it's uh, mothballed until twenty twenty one? I, God, I don't know. I, I, I I'm going to say mothballed. I hate to say it because I, do I don't think, even though the guys could get up to scene quick, I know that. Mm-hmm. But uh, can the facilities handle it? Later in the year, you know, right. I, I hate to watch playoffs in August 
the Stanley Cup Finals with the puck bouncing around like a basketball game. Yeah. No skill being shown. You know, I hate that kind of hockey. I I mean, it is what it is sometimes, but uh, you're not going to, you know, (laughs) you're not going to see me dumping it in every time, but sometimes you have to because the puck's so bad bouncing Mm -hmm. on the ice. So that would worry me. Can the facilities handle it? You would think they'd be able to these days, but with that many people in a August building when it's hot and humid, and I don't think they can pull it off. Yeah, it's going to be very tough for them to kind of get uh, everything organized too, due to if a team, if one state is allowing things and one state might not be allowing mm-hmm. things. So it's like you pick a neutral site, and that's the things they've talked about. Uh, yeah, I think trying to get it in by August is going to be uh, tough. Yeah, I do. And what, what's the you know? So we miss a year. I, it, we'll do it again. It, let's make sure everyone's safe and uh, and we all believe in that. You know, I agree. I, I would rather sacrifice one year of playoffs and make sure that everyone is healthy and safe. Bingo. Perfect. All right. Well, we're gonna uh, wrap it up there. So, uh, Craig, thank you very much for. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Today. Uh, this is uh, great, and uh, yeah, anytime you want to come back on, we're uh, more than uh, happy to have you on. If uh, you know, come back, well, let, playoff let time. Chris know. Chris, let, let me know if you need me again sometime. I, I enjoy. Yes, I enjoy talking hockey and stuff. So anytime uh, you want on, you uh, you have the microphone waiting for you. Yeah, anytime you're All on right, the too, once in a while, uh, we uh, we owe you one. So, uh, fears on us next That's year. true. I, 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 I got a question you, for uh, you guys at this point. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, I got a question for you guys. What What's the name of the damn hotel? I was trying to find it both times I went there, and I okay. stayed. Is it Adams Mark? Is that the one downtown? It, it used to be the Adams Mark, and now it yeah, is. Yeah, change names. Is it a Hyatt now? I believe it's a higher now. A higher oh, or that's why. I'll look it up. up. I it. thought it was the Wasn't the Adams Mark the one right near the ballpark, sort of? Downtown? Uh, it's like, yes, it's like a block the old ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. The old ballpark. The old ballpark. Yeah. All right. I could, yeah, I'm they, I couldn't figure it out. Now a high, I, I stayed at the wrong place full time. It's the, the old Adams Mark right, is guys. now called the Hyatt Regency at the Arch. Yeah, at the arch. All right, bingo. Yeah, so yeah, just Thank seeing. You. Yeah, they changed that. Yeah, because I remember right recently when I was down there and I was like, "Where is Adams Mark?" I thought about that. I think last year, me and Chris went to a game, and that's why that's the only reason I didn't know it was wasn't there anymore either. So. Yep. Perfect. Well, so right, boys, behave. We'll try. Uh,